Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy to have everybody today. Kate and Lala and Marla and Tina and Rob and Paul and Craig. Anyone uh, got big Christmas plans? Traveling? Yeah, Paul is. Paul won't be here next week. You want to visit mom, right? I'll be uh, I'll be at this meeting, but I won't be at uh, some of the other ones next week. Oh, you will be at this one. Good, good. I didn't know if you were going to be able to make it. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm driving back on Christmas Day, so. Okay. Just for us, right? So you can be here with us? Yep. Wouldn't miss it. Thank you, Paul. Anyone else got big plans? Everybody hanging out with family or avoiding family? Yeah. Yeah, you'll get hot. They, are they taking you hostage somewhere? This like they did Thanksgiving, Kate, or are you going to be you going to visit? I'll be driving myself this time. Oh, okay, like going right. to the same place. <laughs> driving myself. Driving myself. Yeah. yeah. Have a quick getaway plan. One foot out the door. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good morning, Kirsty, or afternoon. Hello. I get for you the seventh chapter. The Tao Te Ching. Let's go ahead and let Kate read. Kate, if you want to read, then we'll talk about it after you read. How's that? Sounds good. Heaven and earth last forever. Why do heaven and earth last forever? They are unborn, so ever living. The sage stays behind, thus he is ahead. He is detached, thus at one with all. Through selfless action, he attains fulfillment. Second translation, the Tao is infinite, eternal. Why is it eternal? It was never born, thus it can never die. Why is it infinite? It has no desires for itself, thus it is present for all beings. The master stays behind, that is why she is ahead. She is detached from all things, that is why she is one with them. Because she has let go of herself, She is perfectly fulfilled. Third translation. The Tao of heaven is eternal, and the earth is long enduring. Why are they long enduring? They do not live for themselves, thus they are present for all beings. The master puts herself last and finds herself in in the place of authority. She detaches herself from all things, therefore she is united with all things. She gives no thought to self. She is perfectly fulfilled. Final translation. Tao never stops. Why? Because it isn't trying to accomplish anything. The master hangs back. That's why they're ahead of the game. They don't hang on to things. That's how they manage to keep them. They don't worry about what they can't control. That's why they're always satisfied. Live by. Don't worry about what you can't control. Yes. Got the link in the chat, of course, so you guys can pull that up if you want to look. I'm going to need some help with this one today because I think I have it figured out. That's always a problem. You know, it's like going to the Internet and you – I found I don't go to the Internet 
to see if what I believe is right. I go to the internet to find people who agree with what I already believe. <laughs> you think they're a genius, right? Well, yeah. If, if, if I needed to think differently, I, I just got to hunt long enough. I can find someone who agrees with me, you know. Right. right. So I checked the internet, you know, and I was right, you know. So with this is the same thing because this is, I already believed this. So when I saw it, it just affirmed what I already thought. So. If we're going to see any real wisdom in this, I need help today because I already think I have it figured out. So, um, comments? Yeah, this one. This one's all about setting aside the ego, isn't it? I believe so, Paul. This is the whole like, Tao. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But like you said, going, going, going to to the internet to reinforce your own opinion. You're just trying to reinforce your ego. Is what you're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's really it, Paul. This one, though, the thing I liked about it, it says that the Tao is eternal because it was never born, thus it will never die. And that's I, what I see in this is that's the way the master learns to behave and learn to think about everything. That's the way the master doesn't attach to anything either, stays detached, just like the Tao does. And that's part of, I was reading a book by Taknahan about death, and he was sharing some of the same things, that our life is just a temporary experience. We're eternal beings. So all of our experience here is just temporary. So that helps him not to attach from what I could understand. Correct. It's, um, for me, it's, it's a concept that's difficult to understand because, for example, when you think about the universe and how large it is and how tiny it was when it started from the Big Bang, it's like that concept is just so outside of our comprehension because, you know, our comprehension of time is linear. Um, I mean, it's, it's almost very difficult for me to take myself out of my human mental mind of thinking um, of something with no beginning and no end. Although the universe is, does have an age. It did have a beginning and with the big rip, eventually it will, everything, a gravity will force everything so far apart. But the concept of, of infinite time is, it's difficult for me to comprehend. It's a concept of like it, we, we, our soul never dies, you know, we get reincarnated if you think like that. But I read into this, you know, the universe never dies because it was never born. Um, Detach from outcomes. Um, And somewhere I read in my readings, this is asking us to be more like God, more God-like in, in our, in our life and the way we behave and, um, the way we are and the way we approach our world, our world, not and just the world. And if you think about it, it's like it's ever-changing. You know, it's not constantly, constantly in flux. It's always moving. It's always evolving. So attaching yourself to one single point in time is people. Or, or one point of view or, you know, it, it causes suffering. Right. To, you know, to be attached to one point of view because then nothing is right. Nothing yeah. will be right. Which is why in Buddhism it's like being um, joyful 
is actually the same as being saddened because it's being attached to that moment, you know, being attached to that moment. And then you'll be sad once the joy leaves you. Hmm. That's good. <clears throat> Craig, you have something? Oh, I'm sorry. Kirsty, you have something here? Um, I think, I mean, I, it kind of all, almost went past me um, until people started talking. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, 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 because but you, as soon as you started talking, Lala, about, about Earth and, and the universe, and it's like, well, for me, the Earth was create not create create for me creation's the wrong word um the big bang happened it was born eventually it will die so which ironic it's not ironic but it's just strangely the big bang was the let's go to school today science lesson this morning apparently going on from what my husband was talking about yesterday um so that's material Okay, however, however infinite, however big it is, we, we can measure it. It's measurable. And, and we do that by um, waves, and we know that it's expanding. We know that it started from a tiny bit. We know that us as beings and the earth, we will event, or everything will eventually die. So for me, this actually goes beyond the material. So this goes beyond humans this goes beyond the earth this goes beyond the universe this is talking about this almost i don't know whether ethereal is the right word but this like spiritual concept that we don't we actually don't know anything about it we just think i don't know what the word is can't think of the word um we feel that it is there it's the soul, it's the spirit, it's the Tao, um, because we don't know what it is, um, and we can't attach to it. That, that's, that's what we'll, you know, we can't attach to something that isn't material. Um, and everything that, is, that, that gets born and dies, which extends to the universe and everything within it, is material can be touched can be measured and is a, is tangible so it's like we're talking about intangible ethereal spirit soul god if that's you know the the word you choose to mm-hmm. use um and i haven't got any further than that yet <laughs> <laughs> pretty good I mean, you know, you think of it, too, as this is just this universe. This is a reincarnation of a previous one. So then into another universe. So, I mean, in a way, it's not born or dying. It's just evolving and evolving um, with no beginning or no end. Like, was there actually a beginning? Before this Big Bang, it was a previous universe. So, but, but you're right, Christy. It's a way of looking at it tangibly versus what is the energy behind it. And well, energy. Energy, yes. That's and a good human, word. we have to have something tangible to hold on to in order to explain it. You know? Which is why it's a difficult concept. To... Exactly. <laughs> That's why all truth is paradoxical, right? It's, it's the opposite, really, of what we think. Rob, you have something, sir? Yeah, I guess, personally for me, you know, with that car wreck and everything, I've kind of woken up to the fact that, you know, this is just a 
you know, we're dust in the wind. This is just a candle in the wind. You know, we're a small piece. You look at eternity, we're just a little dinky blip on the radar. Um, but at the height of my, my selfishness and egotism, you know, 30s, I was moving up the ladder and working on that project till midnight to get the next promotion. And I think if I'm reading this thing right, that's, that's where she or God or the master is ahead because she's behind all of us temporal beings trying to be, you know, on top of the, the heap temporally. But she stays behind, and now she's actually ahead because she's not doing all the stupid um, egocentric things that really don't matter at the end anyway. On your deathbed, you're not going to go, man, I'm glad I worked 65 hours a week and neglected my family and drank myself to death. Right? It really comes down to, you know, where do I live in this thing? What's my role? And I hope I'm getting choked up. <laughs> How not to be an yeah. asshole. Yeah. Yeah. My, my role is to figure out where I belong in this whole thing, find my God, and realize that I've got, but the only control I have is I got to choose this black sweatshirt this morning. That's about it. And the rest is all up to somebody else. And as long as I figure out where I'm at in that whole thing, I'm, I've already got the day started out right. That's all I got. Thanks, Rob. You, you know, the last sentence in the first translation through selfless action he attains fulfillment that tells me the action that i have to take if i want to detach from this world or detach from these things that are you know holding me back that the Tao doesn't attach to is by selfless action which is what we've learned from it's just a repeat mm-hmm you know, just a repeat, it's selfless actions, what it is. It's doing for you instead of me again, you know. I can't find a way around it. I can't be selfish if I want to live free. If I don't want to live free, it's fine. But uh, that's what it takes. Craig? Right, here we go. I have the answer. Please. Well, let me mute you to make sure there you go. <laughs> No, no, I'm sorry. Answer. I'm waiting. Right, so I'm I'm glad Rob came in before I did because Rob mentioned dust in the wind and candle in the wind. I know. Can we can we all remember who sang Dust in the Wind? Kansas. Kansas, yeah. Yep. I, I heard of it first because the Scorpions first done well they done they done a, a, a re recording of it. And Candle in the Wind was done by Elton John, who my son thinks is his uncle. Because we play him that often in the car that I say, that's your Uncle Elton. So he genuinely thinks Elton John's my, his uncle. So heaven and earth last forever. Um, and I think all things last forever because we remember things and we talk about things. And it's everybody's perception of things. Um, Lala was talking about the Big Bang and that happened a while ago. But people remember about it because it's still this theory that's ongoing and because people are still thinking about it. And I think it's the exact same with heaven and earth. My perception of heaven and earth is probably completely different to everybody else's perception of heaven and earth. So these things are always going to be eternal because people are still thinking about them. Buddy's mentioned previously, what do we know about, uh, about what our dads do? 
And then we could probably answer the question, what dad does, what, what does granddad do? And then the memories kind of get a little bit more fa- hazy as to what he was doing and what does great-great-granddad do? I never knew my great-great-granddad. So my perception of what my great-great-granddad done was is absolutely nothing at all. So we've only got the memories of what my granddad knew about his his dad and his granddad. Um, and slowly as he gets older, he's forgetting these sort of things. Um, and it's a sad thing to watch to watch my granddad go through just just forgetting who you are and who who things are. You, you can really only remember things that are going on in in the now. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen the film Coco, the the Disney film. Kirsty's crying already. Kirsty's Kirsty's reaching for her tissues. Right. So if you've not seen it, it's about a, it's about a little Mexican boy called Miguel, and somehow he ends up tangled up in the the, the land of the dead. And there's a guy called Hector. He's an old musician. He's trying to get across the bridge to eternal life. Um, and he gets stopped at customs control when he gets to the start of this bridge. And the girl at customs control says, look, your, your picture's not in anybody's mantelpiece. You can only get across this bridge if people are going to remember you. That this, these, these places are reserved for people that are going to remember and and carry on your legacy or... or, or, or um, carry on what you were doing and remember you for, for what you were doing. Um, and unfortunately, poor Hector doesn't have anybody's face on. His picture isn't on anybody's mantelpiece. So he soon goes into into to the forgotten realm. So people start to forget about him. And you can see him slowly start to fade away. Uh, and I think that's going to be what's happened with if we start to forget about things like heaven, earth. Um, and I notice that happens with our program as well. When we start to step away from our programs, we tend to forget what we're going through, what we've been going through, how bad things have gotten for us. And we very quickly jump back to the beginning again. And we end up putting ourselves through all the shit that we've been through. We end up becoming that toxic person that we'd forgotten about. Um, we become that person that that goes back to displaying the behaviours that we, we, we put our families and ourselves through for however many years. And I think as long as I remember what I was doing and what I was going through, it's always going to be relevant in my mind. So that's going to keep me from going, it's going to keep me from regressing back to where I was. And it's always going to give me that, that poke with a sharp pointy stick that I need now and again, just to keep me going. Um, so when I, when I forget about how bad things were, then I'm going to slip back. But as long as I can keep remembering and I think that's where this, this heaven and earth thing as eternal comes from as well. As long as we keep remembering what's what's going on, what's relevant to us, then it's it's going to keep going. I was actually thinking about my mortality this morning when I was I was I was finished walking Callum up from school and I was walking back and I was looking around and I was thinking, how much of this is going to be remembered when when I'm not here, or how much of the world's going to change when I'm not here? Um, and I think that. The answer is not much of it's going to change because other people are going to be seeing things through their eyes. But what of what of me? What's what's going to be remembered of me? And it's just going to really be the memories that I imprint on people. My job at the moment is to try and make the best memories for people that I can um, of myself, and just to give them something that they can they can keep moving forward for, rather than being the ass that I was three years ago. And thank God for that. So how is it that we change, Craig? Exactly. We start loving people, right? After you put a Christmas jumper on with a tuxedo. And then you start loving people. Start loving folks. 
Yep. Selfless action. It's back to that again. It's living the amends as well and not forgetting that you have to live the amends. Yeah. Don't just, about, don't, yeah. don't just think, right, I've done that one good thing for you and that's all you deserve. Let's, yeah, not, forget, yeah. let's, not, let's not forget that the, the 20 years of hell and misery that people have been through with us. Let's just remember that I need to continuously keep doing this. I continuously need to be there for people. I need to be there to give people support. If somebody comes to me with a question, sometimes I don't have the answer, but I've got an ear that they can that they can talk to. I can listen to them. If I don't have the answers, I can I can put them in touch with somebody that does have the answers. You know, and it's really not up to us to have the answers or the people in our life that we want to make up for wrongs with. I can't do that either. All I can do is just love them. That's all I can do. I can't make up for stuff. I have a relative that if I try to make up for something and get into my self-pity with that, that's not love. That's, that's pity, you know, and what I have to do is just surrender that and, and love this person instead. Because if I come at them from a place of self-pity, they feed on that and they attack me. When, if I come from a place of love with them, I don't get attacked. It's amazing how different it is when I come from love instead of fear uh, in some form. Uh, How about this part in the McDonald translation, the third one? The master puts herself last and finds herself in the place of authority. um, I was just about to comment on that bit. It's Um, called being a mother. Yes. Well, yes. I think it's possible. And and again, it, it comes from love it comes from doing unto others how you would expect to be treated yourself but actually it's that it's that paying it forward with ex- without expecting anything in return and and I, I said on another meeting this week you know I had a role model um of of my good old Scottish granny who came and pretty much lived with us from about um the age of well four um she was there you didn't know she was there um and that was right up until um she died when I was I was just I was newly I think I was just about nine months sober the first time and my husband was terrified of her husband was absolutely terrified of her because it was like she sat in a chair and she didn't say anything and so from his point of view, she was this really scary old lady that sat in the corner and just didn't say anything. But she'd been there. She was there all the time. She looked after everyone. She just she just was. She was just her. Um, she didn't bend for anyone. Um, she didn't ask for anything. She didn't have very much. She'd been through quite a lot of trauma herself during her life. Um, and, yeah, all she wanted to do was love her family. That was, that was what she wanted. And you, could, you, you knew that as she lay in her bed, knowing that she was going to die, she was quite happy with the fact that she was going to die. Um, because it was almost as if she knew she'd done what she'd come here to do. 
and that's about as close to and she, and, and she died and I found out and this is again something that I found mind blowing she was very religious I haven't got a clue I'd spent 23 years of my life with this woman I did not know that she was very religious um, and again that was another thing it's like she didn't force anybody to do anything she allowed you to be who you wanted to be for an 83 year old to turn around to my little sister and say darling if you really just want to you don't you don't seem to have any partners if if if, it, if it's because you want to bring home a lady that's absolutely fine with me you know and for an 83 we you know for, for, and this was you know what i don't know 17 years ago for an old lady to say that, quite conservative old lady, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I've always said, if I, can, if I can be half the woman she was, then I've, I've, I've made it. Um, because it was, yeah, giving without wanting anything in return, just being there. Because she, and she was the natural matriarch. She was a matriarch that was loved, that was cherished, that is forever remembered. I talk so much about her to my children um, and tell her that she wasn't a scary old lady that sat in the corner. Um, but, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's just, it's being there without being forceful. It's just, because it's, I know there are matriarchs and patriarchs amongst all our families that like to do things with force and control. And I've seen things, I've seen it both ways. And the force of control, the attachment, the everything that goes against what's in this chapter just ends in splits, resentments, fuels, arguments. Um, and that, that's the memories that will linger on. That for those people who just sit back and watch things evolve and steer as and when things need just gently um they have actually the quieter they are the more chance of being remembered and living on in people's memories you know people um the way to have our memory have people remember us is um i believe is how you make them feel and if you're if you radiate happiness and love and selflessness that becomes contagious and they and other people feel that coming from you and it they remember that but they also you know it's it's contagious as well as anger and um anger and suffering and that's contagious too so if you think about it in that way, like, you know what, I want to be remembered as being a happy, loving, selfless person, kind, or I could be remembered as being an angry, bitter old bitch. You know, you have to choose which one, how you want to live. And I think that's, you know, that's how I remember my grandmother was angry and bitter, you know, and my grandfather was, was happy. And that's what I remember about them. So they had nothing to give me except that. And, you, you know, Marla, this way of life gives us the option, because I doubt they had an option. 
<laughs> they were they were what they were because you know a we get trapped by ourselves. You know we get trapped. You know yeah. they didn't so, know any better. Yeah, so we now we have an option, which is great. Kate, Kate, you have something, dear? So I'm. I sort of have questions. Um. So the master puts herself last and finds herself in the place of authority. And, and that's the same line in the translation as it has no desires for itself, thus it is present for all beings. So, like, putting this into practice, um, it sort of confuses me because if I'm the type of person that, like, I'm very good at putting others in front of myself. Like, I'll do everything for everyone else and I won't do anything for myself. And that's not a good quality in myself. Like, I'll I'll get run over by people and put myself last in a bad way, you know? So um, I have to definitely focus on, like, putting myself first a lot of times in situations so that I'm not – because a lot of people are not following, like, with following positive principles. and. <laughs> You know, and they are not going to be treating you well. So if I'm putting myself last behind all these people that are going to just run me over, you know, that's not going to be good for me. Wouldn't that speak to intention? What is your intention on helping people? Is it to, you know, people-pleasing? Is it, you know, I want people to like me? Or is it, you know, I really want to do for this person because they look like they could use help. So one way it looks like you're being used, you're being a doormat and just saying, here, here, everybody, walk all over me. And the other way is like, I really want to help this person. And that that's energizing. The other way is de-energizing, debilitating. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Kate, there's a there's a difference between selfless action and uh, just um, letting people run over you. You know, it's a different. It's from a different. It's like what Marla was talking about. It comes from a different place. It's not, um, it, you know, outward in appearance. Sometimes the behavior may look the same. It's a lot like. When, uh, and I hear this a lot, um, you know, someone says, oh, I do for other people all the time, but they never do for me. And I'm like, well, that's not really selfless action because you're expecting something back when you take that action. So if it were me, what I have to do is I have to make sure that I am responding to people out of love and wanting to, um, with genuine concern, with genuine care, uh, not 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 coming from a lower place of uh, uh, that where I'm really anticipating any kind of return out of this or not return out of this, you know, like I'm setting my do what I don't think it's my intention to yeah. like get something from people when I'm doing this stuff. I mean, I think some people will just, you know. Some people are very needy, and they'll just take and take and take and take and take and take, and I'll get, like, run down. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think they're, I don't think my intention is, ooh, I'm going to get. Give us an example. We got two people who want to comment, so I'm going to let them comment, then I'll come back. But I want us to talk about an example, too, of what, exactly what you're talking about, so we can kind of get our head around it. Okay. Is it, uh, but uh, Tina, you you have something there? Yeah, I I really like um, the, what's your motive? Um, Because that's where I find you know, when I talk about going somewhere where there's alcohol involved and I might be uncomfortable going, I have to remind myself of my motive. And so I keep coming back to that with a lot of the things I do. What is my motive? Um, and sometimes I, I feel like until I became aware of this, I used to do things. You know, I've, I, I'm sure everyone's heard the quote that if you're doing something for something in return, you're not doing a kind deed, but you're doing business. You know, you're in exchange for something else. Um, but for me, um, I used to be that martyr, be that, because I was addicted a little bit also to people-pleasing, and I needed that constant, good job, Tina, um, or thank you for that, or, you know, I always tell the story about when, when I was little and my family wasn't in there to clap for me when I went potty, and I brought my potty into the living room <laughs> to show everybody that they can last for Tina. And so that's kind of how I've been living my life. Um, you know, so even though I think I'm doing something really good, deep down, I'm like, there, I've caught, you know, look at, um, but something that, that they keep saying to me at my home group, um, and it's a little harsh, you know, but that's just what, how they are there. They're a little old school, but you know, and I'm talking about things like that. Like our code word is, um, is no one at, and that's a quote from a show. No one asked you to hold the fucking door. Like, you know, when you hold the door open for somebody and they don't say thank you and then somebody gets mad and that's the thing. No one asked you to hold the fucking door and they say it like that to remind you, like, it's not about any of that. Like no one asked you to do that. And so for me, I have to keep it simple. And anytime I start to feel a resentment towards somebody, I have to say, hey, no one asked, no one asked me to hold the door. So, but I love that motive because I got to check my motives all the time um, no, and, and everything I do. And usually it's a selfish motive and it's about detaching <laughs> it from anything like that and doing it because I'm supposed to, you know. It's like now I feel guilty um, you know, I'm still, and it's a process, and I love the process because I love everything I'm thinking. I feel guilty when I don't leave someone the best spot in the parking lot now, thanks to Buddy. As <laughs> <laughs> soon as I take it, I'm like, wow, what a bitch. <laughs> Sorry, Tina. <laughs> it's all right. I don't think the Dow mentions guilt at all. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, guilt, what the Dow really teaches us is, and this is interesting, too, and this is in my notes. We can only love or be selfless in the moment, okay? If we're thinking about the past, past fear we see as guilt, future fear we see as worry, and very little of that do I have in the moment. I have very little fear in the actual right in this present moment. Um, my fear is normally past or future, and I can only really live in this moment, really, 
And that's a lot of this too, because if I'm, if I'm doing something with a future expectation, I'm not in the moment. I'm out there in the future somewhere anticipating what's going to happen. And that's part of this too, is surrendering those expectations. But I thought that was interesting where it says that she finds herself in the place of authority, not she puts herself. She just looks up and all of a sudden she's in authority. And I thought that's real. That's that effortless Wu Wei, you know, how, how did this happen? How, you know, it came because the master was selfless. Yeah. I see. I see a lot of surrender in that. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. And, and you I know, think, I think, I'll oh, go ahead. Marla. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, you know, if you think of that in a, in a microcosm way, that is being a mother microcosm, yeah, macrocosm, being a mother, all of a sudden you're, selflessly, God willing, taking care of a little kid and you have total authority over this thing. You know, I think that that this chapter is talking about how Mother Nature has the, is the same way, takes care of everything with some authority without asking for that authority. Without attaching. Without attaching and just finding herself taking care of the world. Yeah. Paul? Yeah, I was just going to say uh, to Kate, part, I used to be a real people pleaser too. And I always thought, well, you know, why am I being such a doormat all the time? And once I just surrendered all that, even caring what people thought about it and just, just doing the right thing, whether I get praised for it or not, it doesn't matter because when I surrender that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't care if people try to take advantage of me because that's that's none of my business, and that's that's a hard concept to for was for me to wrap my head around. It took me a long time to to wrap my head around that one, but um, I'll, I'll just keep doing the right thing, like like you know Tina said, holding the door open for somebody. I don't expect a compliment, or it's nice when you get one, but if you know, sometimes people. You know, won't even acknowledge it. So I still do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the thing, Kate. We attract what we're the the level of consciousness that we're living in. So if we're afraid that we're going to get taken advantage of, guess what's going to happen? <laughs> we're going to get taken advantage of. That's what if I was. We're afraid to. of that. Do what, Paul? That's what I was trying to say. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, we just get we attract it. We attract it. Now, when we decide, you know, like Paul said, I'm just going to love, I'm going to do the next right thing. I don't care who likes it or who doesn't, who compliments me, who doesn't. I'm just going to do what I feel is the next right thing to do. I'm going to, I want to work, I want to have selfless action. Then you quit attracting that and you no longer attract those people who take advantage of you. And it really works. And that's like the master finding herself somewhere she didn't work to get. You know, it's the same thing. All of a sudden you look up and say, wait a minute, how did this life happen? Don't y'all get that in recovery too? All of a sudden you're somewhere that you did not do the work to get what you would think of as the work to get to where you're at. And at times I almost feel guilty for the life that I have. It's so great. And I did so little as far as, real effort and push to get what I have. But what I learned was that this selfless action works, no matter what it is we're talking about. And then we just find ourselves. 
somewhere and we don't under, that's that's the paradox of how this works you know if nature took water and said you know you deserve water to do for you but you're a bad person so no matter how much you drink it's not going to quench your thirst that nature doesn't do anything like that nature just gives water and whoever you know drinks it drinks it it works the same for everybody so in the same way a lot of times I think we have to look at uh, let go of these attachments, just like Paul was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Craig, you have something? Yeah, I think he's all pretty much covered what I wanted to say. Um, but just the, um, the, the, the reason of, of why you're doing things. Um, I used to be addicted to the validation, not the people pleasing. I used to be addicted to the fact that people were giving me the pat on the back. People were texting me to say, thank you. Or the, they were sending me money because I was doing things, but I wasn't doing things for them. I was doing them for my own gain. Um, and if you look at people that, that do things selflessly, I think probably the best the best um, example is Mother Teresa. Um, I'm sure she didn't go out and do what she was doing for, for praise and validation. She was doing that genuinely to help people. And so you can see where you can see where her motivation was and her validation came from. That was, that was actually helping the ones that were in need. So it really is about doing things for the right reason. Um, and just on the, the potty thing, Tina, I, I would I would do that for the validation at, at age 38. I would bring it through just, to, just so people could say, well done, Craig, you went in your potty again. Well done. <laughs> Pat you on your head. Good job, Craig. Good job. Yeah. How about this, this translation? The sage puts his own views behind, so ends up ahead. He stays a witness to life. He witnesses his life. He finds himself. That's the Jonathan Starr translation. He finds himself in this place. You know, he witnesses what's going on in his life. He doesn't force and push and, you know, all without of that. Judgment, though. Without judgment, without yes. judgment. Yes. And it says that uh, what, uh, what could he grab for that he does not already have because he's content with his life? What could he do for himself that the universe itself has not already done? Because so, if he, I mean, if, if he, if he um, is happy and, and, and surrenders everything to whatever it is that he believes in, um, everything's going to be provided for him. So in a sense, there's complete acceptance and surrender there. And how can he fail to be happy? Yes. And not, no, no, happiness isn't, I don't think happiness is the right term, content peaceful serene um that's not necessarily happiness it's, well, it's, it's the fruit kirsty that's what we get as a fruit of learning to live a selfless life the fruit of that is peace and joy yeah we can't strive for peace and joy but mm-hmm. that just comes naturally by us doing the right things contentment yes contentment. yes yes good good stuff last night um yesterday i had a, my, one of my best friends um had a flat tire and she has no one else. Her parents have passed, her family's gone and she just, she's been depressed for a couple years. So she doesn't really have anybody. Um, but anyway, so I was in the middle of chairing, you know, I had a chair meeting. I had to pick up my kids early Christmas shopping, all this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I do not have time for this. But that's my initial reaction, but that time's becoming shorter. And I had to, I, I've started to look at things like it's my job to be helpful and loving and nice 
And then it takes out the stress of it because it's like, oh, wait, this is what I'm supposed to, this is what I'm here for. You know, when you asked that question the other day, it's to love people. And it takes a lot of the stress out of my life when I think, when I don't wring my fingers about it and stress about it because it's not an option anymore. I mean, of course, it's always an option, but if you start to live your life in a way of it's not. And I called and asked my neighbor to, pre- um, to borrow a, a four-way tire iron. And he was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? And I had some crazy ideas of what I was doing. He was like, where are you? He's like, I'm going to go buy a tire and put it on. He's like, it doesn't work like that. He's like, okay, (laughs) tell me where you're going. He, I mean, and this man stopped and has helped my kids with a lemonade stand, walked them through lessons. He's a very religious man. He's just the nicest guy, works in his garage all the time, but he Without question, where are you going to be? I'll be there. I'm going to get my stuff. It was eight degrees outside, you know. But he he helped remind me. When I surround myself with people like that, he helped remind me it's just what you do. There's no, ah, I got this to do. I got to go. I, no, someone needs you. you. That's what you do. Everything else comes second. And I need to see people do that to remind myself that's just what you do. And as soon as it's not a choice, it makes it a lot easier for me to be like, oh, yeah, I don't have a choice in this. It's what I do. I think I think some people tend to um, look at you a bit oddly, though, if, if you come up with that. Um, there's, been a, there's been a few circumstances where, you know, almost people do actually question your motives. <laughs> people are like, like, as if say, why are you doing that? And it's like, just because. You know, you know, just just because, do I need a reason, you know? Just- I mean, I'm not, it's so funny that you just said that because my son had a half day, he's 14, um, and we, we've, we've known this man for a couple of years, we, have, we, we trust him, we store his, one of his cars for him, I mean, a great man, his wife's amazing, but he looks at my son and he says, what are you guys, what are you guys doing now? And I said, oh, we're, um, you know, just, you know, doing a few things, and he was like, Miles, have you eaten? lunch and miles said no and he said get in my car we're going to lunch <laughs> miles looked at me and i called my husband i'm like is this okay <laughs> i mean of course you have to be a little more nervous when it's you know somebody you don't know but it it made us be like what's his angle <laughs> but i genuinely i mean he is just that much of a how's your day what can i do for you he goes to bible study early in the morning and he you know, he's. I think he's just that nice of a guy. But we, everyone's like, why is he so nice? What's What's he really? Uh, what's really going on? So you're exactly right. You're exactly right. You'll always remember him, won't you? And so are, oh, yeah, so it reminds me what to do. You drop. You, you yeah. just. And so will your son. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. This is This is Stephen Mitchell. He. This. He's. Uh, I don't know. This guy's name's what? Uh, Bunan, maybe. He's a Zen guy from. Uh, Live back in the 1600s, he quotes him as saying, detachment results in clarity. Clarity expresses itself in love. Back to that love again. Her heart is like a mirror which reflects all faces without judgment exactly as they are. So when we can live the surrendered, selfless life, we become that mirror where we reflect back people exactly as they are without adding our part in or, or withholding. So uh, expresses itself 
the clarity expresses itself in love. Yeah, that lines up with this. But remember, it was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago when the world was a lot less scary. I don't know if it's more scary now or not, Marla. I don't. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. Nina said, "You know, should I let my son go out for lunch with this guy? Is he going to abuse him? Is he going to want to do that?" You think about things like that because it's could have happened. Could have happened a millennia ago. This is the thing. Someone I was talking to in the CIA that was retired or probably did, and they they were talking about that the the number of child abductions are the same as they've always been. It's just that with our uh, media now and with technology, we know about them when they didn't know about them 50 years ago, that the percentages are the same. It is kind of interesting. Yeah. So the kids are going, it's the, the kids are being completely almost coddled and, and not given, I mean, cause, cause I, I, I just kick my son out of the car, um, every morning. Um, <laughs> I literally, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we got a text saying you have to walk your children to the door unless they're in year six. Well, to be fair, we've been doing it for the last two years. We've been doing it since he was seven. He's got more street, street, like, knowledge than my 14 year old daughter and and i I just said do you know what if they want to come and have that argument with me they can but i walked to school when i was when i was eight on my own a mile and a half across the town there is no more risk now now than (laughs) there was than there was in that day yeah yeah oh god yeah 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 um (laughs) Yeah, there's no more risk now than there was then. And I trust my son. Yeah. Okay, I know there are people that need monitoring, but I'm not I'm not gonna walk him up to a school gate. He's ten years old. So yeah. I just think, yeah, everything's reported to to everything is reported in such detail, you know everything about everyone, and it's all the same as it probably was twenty odd years ago. So yeah. A couple of quick things. St. Francis prayer through self-forgiving, self-forgetting one finds, right? Same thing again. And the Wayne Dyer, Marla, is there anything you want to hit there really quick? Well, I underlined a lot, but I'll hit something really quick. The one thing, one thing I do want in the Wayne Dyer, and I'm going to share the screen so you guys can, can see this. Uh, hold on. He talks really more about ego. Um, I want to read one bit of his phrase here. Uh, in his reading there, he says, serve the needs of others and all your needs will be fulfilled. Through selfless action, fulfillment is attained. doesn't say money is attained, but fulfillment. Fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all fulfillment, which can or can't include that. It doesn't really matter if you're fulfilled. Because it's not about what you have at that point. You can have a lot or a little. It's not going to make any difference at well, that point. Well, fulfillment can be a, a way of fulfilling your heart. It's so much more than than monetary and the things we touch and see and feel. So. One thing I did underline um, in him is it's the third paragraph. Um, the Tao is a giving machine that never runs out of gifts to offer, yet it asks nothing in return. And because of this natural tendency to live for others, and I underline natural, to live for others, the Tao teaches that it can never die. 
Giving and immortality then go hand in hand. So that's a good one. My title for this week is going to be, I think, Become a Giving Machine. Yeah. That's from his Wayne Dyer stuff. Also, um, this, these are my notes. Those who are happy and appreciate what they have have a better chance of happiness with less of a struggle. Um, also, we shape our lives and we affect the lives of others by our deeds, not by our thoughts. Considering how the world is right now, a good deed still does good, even if the intent is selfish. So you might feel good after doing a good deed that it makes you happy. Delight and pleasure and happiness and gratitude are as contagious as bitterness and anger, which is what I said before. Cool. So, yeah, this brings about, you happiness. How about this Hafiz uh, quote? Everyone is God speaking. Why not be polite and listen to him? Yeah, we don't listen very well, do we? Uh, I like this one, too. Uh, by letting go, you let God, and even more significantly, you become more like God and less like the ego with its lifetime practice of edging God out. Well, that's why. It's bolded. The E and the G and the O are bolded. Yeah. Ego, edging God out. All right. That is good stuff. Let me see if I've got any notes I didn't cover. Mm. Become a witness. See life rather than see life happen rather than forcing life to happen. Did we help you, Kate? Yeah. Kate, did you Okay, I'm sorry. Kate, <laughs> what did uh did that answer your question? I know we we're gonna talk about an example. We can still do that. Uh do you have an example that you wanna talk about with that? I mean, I suppose like if somebody is really I don't wanna say the exact people since this is going to be in a book and they might look at it so let me think of a different example so like i have let's say i have had a sponsee that's really really needy right she needs me to drive her all around everywhere she needs me to go get her help her get an apartment she you know so i'm doing all this stuff like i'm like bending over backwards for her not out of the intention for me in any way i want to help her genuinely but I'm spending all my time doing all this stuff for her and not any of my time doing any of my stuff for me I run into that a lot with people but and it's not because I want I want something in return from them I want to help them but then I don't spend my time on myself so I do that like the the like, if someone hits a deer, they know to call me because I'm going to drive out all night to go pick them up. Like, people know that about me. I was just thinking, though, that you're doing this for her, which is really nice of you. But th- these are things she can also do herself. Right. And maybe it's not such a big help. She's not learning how to be independent in any way. And maybe that's creating resentment because she can do these things by herself. Right, so it's not necessarily good, but I feel like I should, you know? It's a, that's I feel what like I'm... I should be helping people when they ask for my help. Well, no, maybe. I think, I think there's a limit. There's a limit. There's a limit, where, yeah. Yeah, there's a limit to where you, 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 you're, you're 
great helping them but as as a sponsor and as as someone you know in recovery um i i will always i will always always limit it to or would always always limit it to working a program um and and yeah by 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 all means you know share advice on how you do day-to-day things but other than that unless they're in dire straits, in which case I would still really, really think about, think really hard about how much to get involved. Because, because I've had, I've had said to me, you can do so much, but then you become a rescuer. And in being a rescuer, you are doing more harm to yourself. Um, and, and so that's why I've actually had to put in and be okay with certain boundaries and it also extends to family friends you know anything that they ask to me as well just to be able to say do you know what yeah okay i I can do this much um but anything anything other than that no i'm sorry i can't do that boundaries even no no even say no i can't it's like no i'm willing to help you in this way and then you know that's it hey kate uh what does your sponsor say about that what boundaries does your sponsor have with you um because it's all about boundaries in my opinion um for example for me i haven't had a sponsee that uh he would call me at night at eight nine o'clock when he owned his own business he could call me during the day if he chose to but he would wait and call me at night and i told him don't call me at night i'm not going to answer I said, you need to call me during the day if you want to talk to me. He's like, you know, like I'm supposed to. I said, no, you want to work with me, you jump through my hoops. I don't jump through yours. So, yeah. And so that's the kind of thing that, I mean, that sounds like a butt. You know, I'm being a butt about it. But if I didn't, this guy would just run me ragged because he's one of those people. And I know that. So it's kind of that. um you know, detaching with love, boundaries, you know, being selfless a lot of times, you know, we, we have to have boundaries with all of that. So that's something that we all have to learn where those boundaries are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, if you haven't had sleep and someone calls you, they may need to just call somebody else if you've got to work the next day. You know, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't help you with that. It's okay. It's okay to say no, you know. Yeah. It's okay. That's not being selfish. Um, Your responsibility as a sponsor is to walk, take her through the program, not to help her buy an apartment or a car or anything or grocery. I mean, I've done so. I've helped my sponsees in some ways, yeah. you know, and, but Tell you know, when story. they're taking advantage of you versus not, you know, you know that, you know, and when you start feeling that, that angst that you're feeling about it, then it's time to say, whoa, I'm doing something maybe I should not be doing. And I would really have a strong talk with my sponsor about that to see what kind of boundaries they would suggest um, and kind of make some guidelines there for that. Because, I, you know, I've got guidelines with my sponsees, but usually it's not a problem but this guy was a little bit of a problem. I told him, I said, I don't answer at night. So you, my phone goes off. I said, I just don't answer. I said, you'll need to call somebody else, you know? And uh, he didn't know what to do with that, you know? 
And so uh, he learned because I just didn't answer his calls, you know. Yeah, they learned. But I also want to say, too, and somebody touched on this, that sometimes whenever you do too much for other people, it's a disservice to them. Um, the best friend that I was talking about, I love her like a sister. And if I had it my way, I'd move her in here. I'd have her drag her to meetings with me. I would pay her bills until she got, I mean, she was teetering homelessness. But her drinking got her put in jail one time for the first time ever. Dale's institution's death. There's a lot of things. If I would have kept making it okay for her, she wouldn't have had to stop and take a good look at herself. And so I had to pray a lot about it and stay in touch with my higher power. And I actually had to, when she said, I'm going to call and look for homeless shelters because she's exhausted all of her places to live, I had to say, okay, well, make sure, you know, they're on a bus line, make sure this, make sure that. But with love, and I had to tell her, I love you, but my sponsor says she can't move in with us because I'm. it's going to make me want to, I mean, I get the efforts when I'm with her. You know, she's been one of my best drinking buddies. So <laughs> good to have her in my roof because sometimes I want to join in her misery and be like, yeah, let's. So, I mean, think of it that way, too. I'm, I, I love her, so I'm having her feel these hurts. And. Feel the, the nervousness of looking at apartments by yourself because I think it's easier also for moms or people that say, I have kids, I have this, I can't do these things for you. It's harder probably for a single person because their time is a little bit more abundant and you think, well, I have the time. But, you know, if it's, if it's mm-hmm. going to hinder my sobriety at all, whether it's going to cause resentments, whether it's going to lack of sleep. Like Buddy said, there's certain things that if it's going to be a detriment to me or my sobriety, it's not, it's not a question anymore. Like what I was saying about helping you, it's your job. It's my job to stay sober. So this is part of my job is saying no. Yes. Now, don't get, yeah. from a place of love because you yeah. love yourself and you love her. Now, Kate, now my other sponsees that, that don't take advantage of that, they call, pick up the phone anytime. But I knew what he was doing, and I said, no, we got to, you know, we got to fix that. I can't participate in that. So he said, but I'm hurting. I need to talk. I said, no, it's not happening. You need to call me earlier in the day. You need to hurt earlier in the day. <laughs> You know what I mean, you know, he was playing me. I knew he was playing me, you know. And so, but other guys, I I just wanted to make it clear that I do answer calls at times, but that was something that needed for him. He needed a boundary. Maybe you got some people you're working with that need some boundaries. I don't know. Sort himself out then, though. Yeah, yeah. Paul, do you have something? I was just going to say, there's a fine line between helping and enabling somebody and, you know, it's up to us to determine for ourselves what that line is. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all about setting boundaries, like Buddy said. So. Being a parent. Guys, great meeting. Did that help, Kate? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that didn't help at all. <laughs> just, just, just before we go, that wasn't me you're talking about, was it? No, yes. it wasn't. Uh, oh. It was. Yeah. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> we always talk about you when you leave. Yeah. All right, guys. Anything else? Are y'all good? All right. Well, y'all have a great Christmas. We'll see you next week then. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, 
daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.